Welcome to International Insights, stories from the real economy. My name is Josh Gembry. Whether you run your own enterprise or work for someone else, you know that not all projects and clients are equally important. Some simply have more consequence than others. Maybe it's the complexity of a project, the fact that it's in a different country, or because it is a chance to demonstrate what we can do. The international growth of a company is usually marked by these strategic opportunities that trigger the company to take bolder steps and establish a clear vision. They are like tipping points, the key threshold beyond which the company's growth seems just like an appointment with destiny. In today's episode, we focus on these tipping points. Our guests have successfully led their companies to international growth, one opportunity at a time, but with key opportunities having a strategic impact on the organization and its direction. John DeGiorgio ran a company providing software solutions for airports until it was acquired by a group from New Zealand in 2017. On his part, Joseph Sultana started and grew a software company involved in complex systems development, a company which today is also part of a larger global software firm. John DeGiorgio, Joseph Sultana, thanks for accepting to share your insight with us. Thank you. Tell me first, John, I guess we'll start with you. Um, you know, your international journey over time, looking back, what were the main milestones in that journey? There were a series, um, some more minor than others, but um, if we were to look at the, uh, the first particularly significant one was uh, a service and product project uh, for a customer uh, based in Geneva and in uh, London and also in Finland, um, where we had a particular um, technology which uh, addressed a specific and very particular uh, requirement that uh, they had. And this was back in 1998. Okay. And uh, interestingly enough, they're still clients of ours. Um, and after that, we had a series of others which were much more product-led. Okay. 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 So the development of a software product, which we'll probably have um, the opportunity to discuss some of those details around there. Um, in 2001 and again in 2011, which led to specific international uh, activities on a much larger scale. Okay, so the journey was characterized in this sense by these opportunities that were kind of more important than, than the kind of the regular opportunities. Yeah. Joe, in your case, was the story kind of also yeah, I characterized? Mean, similar, <coughs> but different, in that when, when we set up shop, um, John and I in 2003, the, the vision always was to deliver primarily services into an international marketplace, right? Um, uh, because we felt that if you wanted to deliver software, the climate at that time, at a local level, was that you couldn't do it properly because it was never seen as a strategic choice. Okay. So it was always a fulfillment of a cost. Mm -hmm. So the mindset was more about how quickly and how cheaply can we do it. Um, and the ambition we set off with at that point was let's find the clients where we can really do our job properly, okay. where we can deliver software. The, um, right, the right kind of client. The, the right kind of client. Now, obviously, in hindsight, I realize there is no right kind of client, right? And it's more of a mindset that you're looking for. Um, so, so the journey for us was already set out. And, and I think <coughs> my life has, I have been blessed by meeting people who have been very pivotal. And 
rather than milestones for me it was always about coming across these individuals or group of, who steer me or steer the ship that I was driving in a particular direction, okay. right? And uh, I find it quite fascinating that when you look back at the impact that these conversations have with these individuals, the real impact is so far-reaching that at that point you don't even realize. Okay, okay. That's and, and for us, and for me in particular, I was believed in a theory, the lighthouse theory, right. what I call the lighthouse theory. And I, and I try to spread this gospel, it's a bit, a bit obsessive maybe, in that when you set off on a journey, knowing where you want to end up and making sure the decisions you take throughout that journey, because throughout that journey you're always going to have a tangential pull, right? <laughs> right. Um, however, if you, if you come across an opportunity and you map it against where you should be going, then you realize it's a very binary decision. Does okay. this okay. opportunity take me away yeah. from that lighthouse or does it pull me towards yeah. that okay. lighthouse? Okay. And I find that when you use that very, very simple methodology, mm -hmm. you are more likely to not commit very strategic mistakes yeah. in yeah. being pulled off course, trying to do something which, you know, okay. and so, sorry, I, I'm interrupting you just because this is really interesting, this lighthouse idea. But I guess in the beginning, in the early days of the journey, you probably met, you know, a person and a, comp a client that, you know, that kind of represented a degree of a strategic opportunity. And I guess there, you did not have the direction set. What, relate a little I bit mean, how, how did the first okay, international okay, so, 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 happen? I mean, it is true, you, you, it is never very clear at the start, but you do have a basic understanding of where you want to go. So, so this is, so when we set off, and then I said, we want to break into the UK market, right? So that it is- The direction was clear. It's clear, it's clear, why? Because at that point, we're about to join the U European Union. This would give us freedom of movement. Um, and to our eyes, maybe naively back then, we thought it would escalate us. Okay. a little bit in the eyes of the potential client. Um, our first client, yes, I remember we had taken a stand at an outsourcing exhibition, okay. which at that point was co-sponsored by Mold Enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and again, they were quite pivotal for us, Mold Enterprise, because they did give us the courage mm -hmm. to invest the money we needed to make. So we set up shop, uh, the first client came, it was a telecommunications company at Telecom that point, company, okay. a billing company. And in tip, with typical Maltese bravado, when they asked us, have you ever worked in telco? Of course, we invented telco, right? I mean, <laughs> the, um, and we managed to land our first client. Okay. In hindsight, I, I, I can't really see how we managed to do that because in reality, it was so easy to poke a finger through everything, yeah? But the, the individual and the organization, I think, felt although we might not know anything about telecom. In fact, the truth was we had the resource okay. and the skill set to deliver it. And bottom line, in the service business, that is what it is about. Mm -hmm. you know? So we kind of stretched and took a risk. Exactly. Taking it's a project which is a bit beyond you. Exactly, you like. exactly. But it, it proved to be pivotal. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the, 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 these risk-taking projects, I think, are part and parcel of any entrepreneurial journey, right? Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. uh, you cannot create the project and find a client. You have to find a client, and this will give you the experience and the industry knowledge to go in there, which comes with a significant amount of risk, yeah, yeah. but it's not such a big deal in reality, you know? It exactly, especially if you see it in, in hindsight, you know, in over, over time. Exactly. John, you had kind of your first international, you know, pivotal point, you know, with which kind of project? 
Uh, our story is a bit different to Joe, listening to Joe uh, describing his, um, in the sense that what actually happened was we were working on a particular solution for a specific project uh, for a customer here in Malta. And um, we were trying to find a, a, a technical solution to a challenge that that customer okay. uh, had. And we came up with a, uh, a solution, which was a very valid um, solution. And at that stage, maybe the lighthouse that Joe spoke, out, spoke about blinked. Because at that particular point, um, it dawned on me that the type of solution that we were crafting for this particular project had universal applicability. Okay. Okay. So that particular approach could be put into a product independently of the solution that we were building for that customer okay. and could be created as a product and sold as a product. Okay. Um, <laughs> and because of the market uh, nature, the only real major market for that product was international. Right. So de facto, <clears throat> it pushed us to look down the international route. So it wasn't so much a customer that had a demand for us to do something and we built something for them. Mm -hmm. Obviously there was in the case of the project previously, mm -hmm. um, but that was just the triggering of the idea. So I'm a firm believer in what uh, is referred to as opportunity identification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it really was one of those light bulb moments okay. to actually say, this we could turn into a product. Okay. And exactly the same thing happened with our second major okay. international product. product. So it was, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant to say the vision of being able to identify that opportunity um, in, uh, at an international uh, scale. And it's always, it's always about identifying. Of course, my question to you is how did you realize back then that you know, turning this into a product in, in fact you know, constituted an opportunity with international, an international chance, if you like? You know? Yeah, I, I, I think it was literally that, that light bulb um, mm. going off, saying this could be created as a product, right. and if we did, then the potential demand and the market size, the market size opportunity for this product um, and the industries in which it could operate, um, the geographies in which it could operate uh, were such that it was universal. Okay. Okay. Um, so what we actually did at that stage was we redeveloped completely from scratch because um, developing a project for a customer is a very different thing mm -hmm. to developing a product mm -hmm. for multiple customers, multilingual, yeah. uh, multi-everything. Exactly. Uh, so we redeveloped uh, the product from scratch, having first obviously uh, done some, done some uh, competitive analysis and, okay. and uh, uh, a certain amount of marketing. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't create a business plan. Okay. Okay. You uh, went for it first and then? We went for it for the simple reason that the gut feeling was very, very okay. strong. Okay. Um, and uh, we decided to make the investment right. uh, in developing the product and the even greater investment in marketing the product. Because okay. marketing costs more than product development in, in, mm -hmm. this, particular, in this particular case. Yeah. What was the role of the client <clears throat> you know, and, and the people on the client side to kind of help you realize that this could be an opportunity which is worth, you know, turning into a product and going out with it? 
Um, I don't think there was that uh, input. Okay. The input from the clients um, evolved over time. Okay. Okay. As clients that we would be meeting would actually say to you, ah, can the product solve this product okay. problem for me or can it solve that problem for me? And therefore what you do is you um, identify these um, extra mm -hmm. capabilities that you um, could build into the project, mm -hmm. in, in, into the product rather. Um, that itself is a major risk point. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a risk point for the simple reason that you can be overly influenced by one particular customer's need. All right. Um, and you go down the route of developing and investing into meeting that particular need without actually realizing that that is a need for one customer, but not necessarily so universal. Exactly. And therefore making the investment in product development just to meet that customer's need may not necessarily be the best strategic for, for, the, for the wider kind of uh, project. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, so you can actually invest um, and, and create excessive functionality, I, exactly. I, uh, exactly. ironically, mm -hmm. into the product, which also then makes it more complex for people to understand to, to be able to what apply it does. It. Is it, is it uh, so the, that's a risk. Yeah. Is it the case, Joe, I'm going to turn a bit to you, that when you kind of develop um, successfully a strategic opportunity, it kind of becomes easier to develop others as you go along because you're kind of learning or, or every one of these turning points are a story in themselves? I mean, service provision, right, is quite templatable. The, 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 the benefit of providing a service versus developing a product with the roadmap and the inputs into the roadmap and the quality is that once you establish a core set of services which you will provide to your, your clients, you engage in one of two ways. You're either going to take responsibility for the delivery or you're going to provide the resource. It's one or the other predominantly. Yeah. And <clears throat> in the latter, you do not really have a lot of project responsibility because you're just supplying the resource. Exactly. And when we started off, that is, to a degree, what we want to become. Okay. Right? Okay. The, the challenge. resource, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and here, short supply of, of developers. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is that your value point in the eyes of the client remains very much commodity-based. Yes. Right? Yes. So I can buy it cheaper elsewhere because mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, a ton of sugar, right? Exactly. It is what but it is. But then there was a point in your journey where you kind of shifted completely from that model. Into, exactly, that exactly. And that came about in, you know, the second or third client set, we started to realize that we are underselling our services okay. Okay. because while we are providing the resource, we were also, without knowing it, taking on more and much more of a uh, you know, value position. And mm -hmm. I remember we had a client where we had engaged to deliver a project and we were hopelessly immature in our calculating what this project really is, right? Because obviously the weakest, the, 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 <coughs> the critical point, <coughs> sorry, in a project is getting the estimate right, yes, right? So seriously underestimated, um, we were doing what any small company does, right? As soon as the storms begin to gather around your, you know, your project, you start taking a defensive position, yeah. right? Um, uh, long story short, client calls us up, I go to the UK, sit down with the client in a boardroom, 
very large boardroom, you feel really minuscule, <laughs> because it's a strategic line for you. If you lose it, this is a big deal, right? And it's also a confidence play. Mm -hmm. And in pure defensive mode, you go in with a thousand reasons why this is not your fault, <laughs> right? You've done everything you've asked for, but still we're three months behind schedule and hopelessly over budget, right? And again, a pivot moment, the client goes, if that's all you have for me, then sorry. It's the end of the road. Why did you come here? Why did you come here, right? Um, he, but then he said, but if you've come to tell me how together we can work to resolve this, okay. then the floor is yours, mm -hmm. right? And that to me was a pivotal point because it changes a mindset, right? right? Where your, the, the perception of value is really hard to understand when you are delivering a service and just look one day equals X amount of pounds, exactly. right? But when you start looking at things from a value proposition and what does this really bring to the clients, to John's point, you start adding functionality. Yeah. 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 But when you ask yourself, you put yourself in the client's shoes, mm -hmm. does this really make sense for the client, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because there is a tendency when you're a service provision to actually make the journey longer yeah. because it's in your benefit, your, it's your interest, right? But when you are looking at it from a value perspective, and this was a pivotal point for us, is does it add value to the client? Mm -hmm. Is there an easier way to do this? Why are we complicating this life? You know, why are we trying to be purer than pure exactly. to build something which has a shelf life of two years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so looking at things from a value perspective is incredibly important if you're to rise above the chaff, if you're to rise above the commodity players, exactly. right? Because there is where you come on the better rate. Absolutely. And, and, and in this sense, kind of the client made you realize completely, that, you know, this, completely, is, this completely, could be a, completely. a game you can... You can. And again, it is, it is to do with your the paradigm shift in the way you think, right? Okay. We are, a, we're an insular, mm -hmm community Programmed right? a bit like you know we are exactly exactly we are we do not have depth here because the market is relatively shallow okay. right so we tend to generalize okay. this is why you and don't be get generalist in what you do and of course you have no other option mm -hmm. right but if you use it that way then then you tend to start only to look at protecting Okay. your commitment, mm -hmm. right? Whereas when you have a deeper relationship, a larger relationship, you say, uh, it swings and roundabouts. Yeah. I can take some pain here, but, you know, it will turn out and all. So this concept of value to me was extremely pivotal. And it I, still is. I, I open it in that sense. Completely, yeah. completely. It's really interesting. One, one topic I want to, you know, discuss with you, John, for example, you've been essentially selling a solution to, to you know, airports for, for many, many years um, in, in this journey we're discussing. How would you realize that, you know, this particular opportunity kind of is more important than others? It has a potential, you know, strategic significance for the company and it's not like any other. You know, how do you kind of take that judgment? In terms of one client project rather than another exactly. client exactly. project? Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned specifically the airport mm -hmm. uh, software that we had developed uh, and launched in 2011 yeah. and then uh, was acquired in exactly. 2017 which was very much our strategy for acquisition. Um, that particular um, uh, product and product uh, area um, was quite challenging in the sense that, as was the case with the previous uh, product, uh, it was a world first. Okay. So we were going into develop a market that did not exist. Exactly. Um, uh, the, the software actually allowed airports to manage 
their retail and food and beverage um, revenues um, within the airport uh, space. And previously that was work which was being done very manually using Excel mm -hmm. by even companies that had $2 billion worth of turnover. Right. So we were creating a product sector exactly. that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is very challenging. Of course, because you're selling an innovation which is not you know, obvious out there. They don't, people are not used to it. Correct. Mm -hmm. And also you're proposing a solution, mm -hmm. uh, a software-based uh, solution, which will obviously cost money mm -hmm. and will replace a solution that they're doing on Excel and therefore has no perceived cost. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I use the word perceived cost because obviously um, people were taking much longer and not getting as, as, as good a quality of information yeah. Yeah. using the Excel-based approach compared to what we were um, uh, offering. Now, obviously, if you look at it like that, there was a, a clear correlation between the size of the airport and the value that our solution ah, okay. could provide <clears throat> to that airport. Um, and therefore... Certainly, the larger the airport, the more attractive the opportunity okay, okay. Uh, was. But because our strategy was to go for acquisition, to build... You knew this from day one, like... Absolutely. Before your lighthouse. Had, your yes, lighthouse absolutely. And everything was, and I completely agree with Joe, you have to keep everything aligned mm -hmm. with, that, with that vision. Um, what we needed to do was we needed to create a product which was uh, obviously of high quality, backed up by high, high uh, service, um, but we needed to build a good reference list of customers yeah, yeah. because without a good reference list of customers, mm -hmm. the attractiveness mm -hmm. of the solution for an acquirer, yeah, yeah. and we had a story Even for the, the acquirer. The credibility, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we were very keen to get those reference sites, and we had reference sites which ranged geographically and also in size. Okay. Um, and therefore, that, that in itself was also part of the, uh, the thinking. Yeah. But, the, but, the, but that's the strategy, kind of the proactive strategy from your end. Mm -hmm. But I guess when you were meeting different people, you were, I guess, taking a judgment. This project could be interesting. It's in an interesting geography. It's a large project, you know, and they yes. were these milestones. How do, you, how do you take that judgment that this is more important than others? I think the most difficult judgment to make, actually, is a slightly different one, okay. which is, are the people that I'm dealing with... Ah visionary enough okay. to actually say this is something that can change our business, oh. okay. their business. Mm -hmm. And if they are visionary, then you know you can work with them. Okay. So, for instance, I remember when we did our first soft launch of the product um, at, uh, at a conference and an exhibition that we did a lot of conferences and exhibitions. And as Joe was saying, we also used the services and the support provided by trade uh, by Trade Malta and Malta Enterprise prior to that. Um, when we were actually doing that, there was uh, a particular event at Heathrow um, where I was a speaker and there was another speaker on the same panel as me who was the CIO of a very major airport. Okay. Um, and we managed to build that relationship and they actually... Um, uh, purchased uh, the product from us. It took a year mm -hmm. because these are high ticket values exactly, you're talking exactly. about. And the sales cycle is very long. In this correct, case. correct. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, you know, you have those people who so are visionary people that you who, can... who kind of, yeah. I, yes. yeah. Because the value is in, very clear. The same thing, thing. Well, you, well, you, you meet someone and... Yes, that but if I may jump into this, because we also had the product right. ourselves, 
right? But the story is very different. And now I'm hearing you talk, I'm realizing where. So, so similar to yourself, we had a product in the posted space, okay. uh, which came about similar to your journey, where we met, uh, we had a client in Malta who, who wanted that. And uh, we then realized that this has potential because there aren't many suppliers to that industry, particularly the smaller English-speaking islands, right? Which at face value thinks it's a great idea, but when I look, and your question was, which, how do you decide which is the best opportunity mm -hmm. to take? In hindsight, that was the wrong opportunity to take okay. because whereas in your case, John, you went after a market where the question which I should have asked was, is there money in that market? Mm -hmm. Do these guys, forget the value proposition for a second, but these guys actually have money to spend? Okay. Mm -hmm. I would have asked that which we didn't. And although we, we, we enrolled seven, eight different countries with the product, there was no revenue uplift in reality because it's an industry which is dying, okay. right? So, so to your point, yeah. which choice do you make when you have two products? Kind of look at the industry in general. So you're saying postal services was a sunset industry anyway, exactly. whereas airport revenue was a growing exactly. industry. Exactly. And therefore, it, it's easy to align with your lighthouse. Exactly. Because no, no, I'm not saying it didn't add value to us, mm -hmm. just to mm -hmm. be clear, because mm -hmm. it gave us huge exposure yeah. in supporting, you know, uh, a 99. 99% uplift pro uptime project product. So, so a lot of value there. But the choices, for example, you, you went from 2011 to 2017, which is a short span of time. Exactly. I mean, yes. we did, with our product, we did it since 2003, and mm -hmm. we've never actually managed to flock. So the focus, the lighthouse saying, this is the industry we're going. You can see the differences the in success. The opportunities yeah. are yeah. grounded in an industry. Exactly, really exactly, exactly. One, one, one kind of you know, roundup question, but it's really important for us because of the people who will be listening to this podcast and, this, and watching this video is, you know, if you're the entrepreneur yourself, I guess you can, you know, uh, scout opportunities because you're, uh, you have the experience and the networks, etc. But how do you ensure your company, you know, beyond you, if you like, you know, has the, the same sensitivity, the capability to develop good opportunities, important opportunities. How do you build a structure for that? I, I think, again, come back to the lighthouse, right? What do you want to be? So if what you want to be is a good services-based company, you know, with a geographical spread, et cetera, et cetera, then the concept of entrepreneurship to a degree is no longer necessary. Why? Because you've established the marks you want to be, now it's process, right? Now, how do you scale okay. to keep that vision going, okay. right? Um, and to a degree, in my particular case, my role within the organization is now completely non-operational, okay. Okay. right? Why? Because when you get to a certain size, then it is much more difficult to take the kind of risks you would take okay, when you back, are a smaller organization, yeah. right? So, so the entrepreneurship becomes less important and the process becomes more becomes important. Becomes hugely more important because you're going to scale, you have a lighthouse to grow the business and sell it. So we have to get there and we have to get there in a way where when, when the buyer comes, our back-end process, our scalability is so strong mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that he cannot poke fingers through it. Excellent. So it's a different skill set. The skill set now is let's build it strong. Exactly. Right? So it can take the punishment, which effectively means you then need to move sideways and use your entrepreneurial skills, you know, in other areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? And grow new kind uh, of exactly, avenues. Exactly. In exactly. That sense. Exactly. Okay. I actually think if you have too much entrepreneurship, 
okay. in a very solid kind of business, it will tear it apart. Okay. Because it will take you away from your life. Yeah. I'm going to create this app. Exactly. And off you go you on your you horse. You can't be a startup and be yeah, a large yeah, company. Yeah, you cannot. You cannot. This, you, cannot. you cannot. You agree with this, John? Well, Joe's business and his sector, although we're both in the IT sector, we're very different. We do very different things. So we strategically took a decision over 20 years ago uh, to become a software products mm -hmm. company rather than a software services mm -hmm. company, as Joe's uh, company is. So that in itself makes uh, yes. uh, puts us in very different, different. Okay. Uh, situations. Obviously, process is absolutely uh, important always, um, but the uh, the main point is the ability to identify those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Different people stand at the top of a mountain mm -hmm. and they look out on a landscape okay. and different people are seeing different things in that same landscape. Mm -hmm. And what you've got to do is hone, or I believe at least, you've got to hone the skills of people to be able to identify those things in that landscape that have that core from which you can develop the value. The value for the customer and the value for the business uh, itself, and those should always be uh, aligned. And if you ask, how do you teach that? I'm not sure you can, to okay. be honest. Okay. I think it's something that some people have and some people right. um, uh, don't, and, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's important to have a good mix of people within the business who have that ability to identify those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a strong believer in niche Okay. opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, for, particularly because we come from companies which are uh, small in, in the overall uh, scheme of things uh, internationally. It's very important, I believe, to actually operate within niche markets. All our products, like the airport industry, is a niche. It's a niche, they have their a, own a global niche in this sense. Correct. They have their own exhibitions, they have their own trade magazines, they have um, uh, conferences exactly. which, which are going, which you can yeah. utilize as your marketing channel. So, so kind of the network is cl closed, even though it's a, it's a global network. It's more of a sort of laser approach rather than shotgun Absolutely. approach. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that that's that's worked well for us. Exactly. Listen, we're, this is really interesting and exciting. We're kind of chasing, or time is chasing us in this sense, but I'll give hmm. you time for, you know, one word of advice for a company out there interested in internationalizing, given the journeys and how successful you were in your case. You know, what's your, you know, bottom line or one word or one, you know, sentence of advice? I would go with what I started with, right? Lighthouse, laser focus on where you're going, and don't let anything distract you. Bill Maldi, I think the best way to put it, Tarash yeah, Kbir, yeah, yeah. right? So don't, if you're going to go international, don't go try in seven countries, exactly. you know, just one, pick one choice, that's the lighthouse. Doesn't mean you cannot stop and validate where you are, yeah. right? And, and pivot if you need that. to, but keep that, because that is also really important for the people in the engine room. Mm -hmm. Right, who want to understand the vision of where, where you're going. the whole thing is going? Because if you don't, if if you don't, mm -hmm. it's never going to work. Absolutely, that would be it for me. Joe, thanks. I I I would say that don't underestimate the amount of effort and marketing that you need to, uh, and and money rather that you need to put into marketing and promotion. Um, to reach your market and to be credible, not appear credible, but be credible. Um, you have to actually project the right image. 
you need to invest in that area um, and be careful, I would say, of very small steps, um, hoping that it will go well and then you'll invest in the marketing. Uh, at the same time, don't make the giant steps. Exactly. So you have to get the pace, the balance, uh, pace. The pace right. right. Um, I think, and, and the niche helps in that. Joseph John, thanks for sharing your experience on International Insights. That was Joseph Sultana and John De Giorgio on how their companies grew thanks to some strategic opportunities. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. If you found this podcast useful, we have others on managing a crisis, nurturing talent, and the imperative of being digital. You can find them on Spotify, on International Insights, or in video format on YouTube. This podcast series is produced for Trade Malta and is meant to provide insight to leaders involved in international business in any sector. The podcasts are made possible thanks to HSBC and their international business financing solutions. We get technical help from Studio 7. Thanks for listening.